Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Today we will be learning Daf Peiches in Maseches Erevin. But we will start with the Mishnah on Peizayin Amud Beis. And the Mishnah says in the middle, talks about the Gezustra. This is a Mishnah that we had already learned, and this was the source of that Mishnah. It, we're back in Venice. We're in Venice, and we have two, um, we have two balconies over the canals, and let's see how these balconies relate to the ability to draw the water. So, the balcony protrudes over a body of water. You can't draw water on Shabbos. So, you have to make a mechitza that's that's fucking high. Wait a minute. So, do you remember? It looked like a fish tank. That's what we were calling it, the fish tank. And the reason we're calling it that is because that's what it looked like in one of the article illustrations, where it basically had a mechitza for talking before tfachim and ten tfachim high. It can extend upwards, it can extend downwards by the cutout square hole in the balcony, as we'll call it. Okay, now, this flies in the face of what we learned yesterday. Rechananya ben Akavia had said, had discussed, if you remember, the four different ways you can go to Home Depot and make a hole in your, in your balcony or maybe for, forgo the balcony altogether and just have a drawing, a well, so to speak, right outside your window. Well, that's the first question the Gemara is going to ask. Basically, this is against the sheet of Hanani ben Akavio. So there's two sheetahs. One is Hanani ben Akavio, who's very makel. It turns out that was only in the Kinneret anyway. But he was very makel. He didn't require this fish tank apparatus, what we're calling. The fish tank apparatus is basically just makeshift mechitos that, um, that in theory, right, extend down into the water and make the water, even though obviously the water is flowing all through the canal, it's almost like we suspend this belief and we consider the water, it's a kula, we consider the water as if it's trapped, so to speak, even though it's not, as if it's trapped within this fish tank, which is the Rosh that it's extending into our balcony, and that's what's allowing us to draw the water on Shabbos. Anyways, so Rechayim and Kavi doesn't even need that, but that's only in the Kinaret, but this is the Shita that we do, in fact, need the fish tank without it, we cannot do, we cannot draw any water. Now, as the Mishnah continues to say, Ben Mil Mala, Ben Mil Mata, that's what we said, whether you're going to make this fish tank above or below the level of the balcony, it's not going to matter. It's either way, the walls are going to be considered through good achis, uh, as if they're going down all the way through the water. So that is halakha number one. Then the Mishnah continues to say, If you have two ba- balconies, one above the other, Okay, so we're going to take two random people. Uh, we'll call them Andrew and Barry. I decided to switch it around. I'm going to say that Balcony A that belongs to Andrew will be the upper one for the word apex, and balcony B which belongs to Barry is going to be the bottom one, B. So apex, bottom, Andrew, Barry, balcony A on top, balcony B on the bottom. In order to keep it straight, because we're going to talk about the top and the bottom again, and we picked on Andrew so much before when he was on the bottom, so now Barry is going to be on the bottom. So what's happening here? If Andrew on the top in the apex made his partition, and Barry on the bottom did not, it's not just that Barry can't draw the water according to the Shita. Andrew can't do it either. So what will be the reason? So we'll say it outside first, and then we'll analyze all of it in the Gemara. The reason is because, and we're going to see, and we've already seen this before, if you might recall, when we were trying to illustrate the source of the Shita of Rav, with respect to how these things work in, through the air, in the Avir, so let's paint the picture. This is a scenario where Andrew and Barry's uh, balconies are not necessarily right on top of each other, but they're close enough in a horizontal direction that they're within four tfachim of each other. Okay. So really, when you go up in the airspace, if you were just to draw, let's say, vertical lines on Barry and Andrew's um, balconies, and you wouldn't consider right, the fact that they're actually on different heights, they would actually be open to each other, in essence. right? They would be open to each other because it's just an open balcony with no railing or anything like that. And so if you disregarded the vertical difference between them, right, the height difference, then it would be similar to two chutzers who are completely open to each other. And it's for that reason that they're considered to be in one rishos, such that if they, such that if one of them is usher to draw water, it would affect, in, in fact, the other one. 
We're going to discuss this more in the Gemara, but that is at least why it could possibly be that Barry's delinquency in making this uh, fish tank apparatus below could affect Andrew's ability, even though he has a fish tank, to access the water from above. Let's see all of this in the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Right, so the first thing the, the Gemara is going to point out is that our mission is not like Hanani Ben Kavya, the Tanya, because we already learned in this place, Hanani Ben Kavya, Omer, Arba Amos, Arba Al Arba. Right, the first of the four suggestions of how to make this uh, window was to take the circular saw and cut out a 4x4 four four tafah window in a 4x4 four four ama board, umimale, and then you could draw water. That is what we learned yesterday from Hanani Kavya. Here we are learning in the Mishnah, it's not enough. We should make the fish tank apparatus as well. So now once we're already discussing Hanani Ben Kavya Shita, we, do, we can't discuss it without mentioning that, that truly right, limiting limitation, which is that all of that only applies to the Kinneret. Since, as we said yesterday, it's, it's um, surrounded by these banks, cities, and Karpafs all around it, which essentially creates, turns it, as we learned yesterday, into a Karpaf. And as we said uh, yesterday with regards to the Karpaf, so it's going to require, right, a, it's, it's going to be more Mekil, right? The Mechitza is going to make it so that it's not quite a Rishus Yachid, but it is, in fact, a Karpaf, and therefore you can, once you make the cutout in the balcony, that's enough to draw water. This would not be true in balconies on the Venice canals or any other kind of balconies that are not so surrounded by all kinds of structures. It is very unique to the Kinneret that, so, that, that it's the one body of water, I guess, that the Chazal were aware of at the time that had this kind of surrounding all around. Okay. Right, presumably, this has nothing to do with the fact that it's in Israel, right? If they were to find, I don't know, Lake Garda in Italy... Uh, having the same sort of configuration, this is the halacha and Shabbos, not so much in the fact that it's in Israel per se, but um, but that was the one body of water they were aware of that had those kinds of mechitzas around it. Okay. All right. So now that we had said this idea of Hanani ben Nekavya, and we'd said that this cut, window cutout applies only to the Kinneret, we we're going to very interestingly point out three kulos that Hanani ben Nekavya had said to the people of Tveria. So if you're a big Tveria fan, this is your Gemara, as follows. There's three heterim that he made for the Anshei Tveria, as follows. That's what we just learned, that you could just make a window cut out without a fish tank, as we call it, and fill up water from it on the balcony. You can do hatmana, right, which is storing. In those days, we just recently went to Monticello, and Thomas Jefferson had one of the first cooling systems, but this was way before Thomas Jefferson, and you had to do all kinds of food preservation. So when you were trying to store it, they would use, atza is, according to Art Squirrel, the residue of bean plants. Basically, it's like, it looks like mulch, okay? So, and, and mulch is very effective also when it's moist, and we're going to see how that plays into the kula, okay? But be that as it may, that the idea of hatmana, when you remember from Shabbos, when we talked about hatmana, so we talked about doing hatmana in Dover HaMoisif Hevel, and doing hatmana in Dover She'en HaMoisif Hevel, that it would be also to do hatmana, there was a gazera in something that was, that was going to um, increase heat, retain, not only retain, but start increasing heat. And so there was a question with regards to mulch when it was moist, it was, under, it was, um, it was understood in those days that that would be something that would actually add heat. So let's see. And they could also dry yourself on Shabbos with a bath towel. Okay. So I'm going to dedicate this, this uh, Andre Tveria uh, section to my dear friend and mentor, uh, Uncle Manny Wasserman, who I spoke to yesterday from Beverly Hills. Okay, so we go like this. Let's go through these three rulings of Andre Tveria. So that we already have discussed at great length. This kula that Rebchadani ben Kavya made for the Anshek Tveria, that you can only make the, the cutout without having a fish tank. What's the second thing? Tonin ba'atza. So let's see a little bit more about this. Mai, what is this talking about? The Tanya. We learned in the Brisa. Hishkim. If somebody woke up very early. Do you know anybody wakes up early, guys? Lehavi psolis. To bring the sort of residue of the crop from the field to use in this storage pr- uh, fruit preservation apparatus. 
right? So that would be the morning routine. You get up, you're going to be right harvesting the fruit later, and when you take the fruit, you're gonna to wanna to put it somewhere that it preserves. You don't have a fridge. So the beginning of the day involves setting up the insulation, um, the, sort of like the insulated area that would be your makeshift fridge every day. So I train you that we don't have to actually set up our fridge anew every day. Our fridge just kind of like works from day to day, but this was part of the daily routine. Now, says the Gemara, What's going on here? Okay, so we had already discussed this when we talked about, actually, uh, in Masech Shabbos, the idea of Bechi Yutan. Okay, Tal is due, as we know. This would be true if it was anyone designed Mashkin, right? If you have water. If you have food, in order to be Mechabal Tumah, it has to have one of the Zayn Mashkin on it. It has to have, have to have moisture on it in order to be Mechabal Tumah. Okay, but that moisture, okay, only makes it Mechabal Tumah if the moisture is there deliberately. Because the says, which means that if the water was placed on whatever the vegetation was, and then it touched something that was tame, then it would be tame. Okay. The Pasuk says, when water is placed on it, Chazal learned that that meant that the water must be placed there deliberately. It can't just be incidental. So listen to this idea. That when it comes to bringing the residue. So because we said in Masechus Shabbos that it was believed that when there's moisture, it actually is a better insulator. So therefore, if you want the moisture to be there, and the reason why you're getting up at 4.30 in the morning before daf to do this, to do this chore is because the moisture is going to make for better insulator, so then that amounts to wanting the moisture to be there deliberately. And that falls into the category of what we call the chiyutan, into that idea of the pasuk of having it there deliberately. And it thus makes the fruit that's moist from said mulch, makabel tumah. However, if the reason why you're doing it is because you don't have time later in the day, Right? You're buried. After this, after this year, you're doubting and you're going to Pennsylvania. Okay? So then you don't have time to go back home and set up your insulation. That's why you're there at 4.30 in the morning. The moisture is thus incidental. And if so, so then it's not considered deliberate. It's not considered a chiyutan. And in fact, despite the fact that it's the same amount of moisture on the fruit, it would not be makabal tumah. So it depends on your intent of being there early enough to pick up this mulch when it is filled with dew. So, let's read it back inside. It's a very, right, it's a very, it's a very good point. Barry's saying, Bechiyutan sounds nif'al, which, ha, which you usually associate with passivity, right? Um, In fact, we have this big parsha, Yukach no ma'at mayim. Right. They talk about Avram appointing a shliach, Right, Yukach no ma'at mayim. The mayim should be taken. This week's parsha, beautiful uh, reference to this week's parsha, that, that the water should be taken. However, even though it is nif'al, and even though it is referencing sort of like the chetzah versus the gavra, right? Like, we don't care how it's done. We just care that it's taken. That's true. But whether it's nifal or hifil or however you say it, yutan means placement, deliberate placement. So the shorish of the word, right, is, is deliberate placement. And in a sense, it fits in with what we're saying. Because this mulch, right, the yutan maim, it's not saying that you place the water, clearly, right? Because this water is actually due, right? You never actually poured the water on it. So maybe, in fact, what you're saying is, in fact, baked into this halacha. That Bechi Yutan, the fact that he can refer to dude that was there anyways, right, means that, that it doesn't matter whether you placed it or whether it was already there when you got there, but you use the Shoresh of Yutan to say that if the fact that it's there is something that is what we'll call Nichale, right, in the context of Shabbos, is something that you deliberately would have wanted to be there, then therefore it falls into the category of having been placed there. Okay? So I think that that's the answer to your question, that, that maybe Yutan has both elements into it, that, that you deliberately would have wanted it to be there, but at the same time, you don't have to have placed it there. And that, in fact, is the case with the do, because the do, you woke up and there it is. Okay. So that's, a, that's an excellent point. Because um, they could have used some, uh, a totally different word, right? It could have said, uh, you know, right, or, right, if it, or if it's water, or yesh bomayim, right? But it said, so it means the water was there, but you, uh, you were happy with it. Okay. 
So now, uh, just to finish the idea, so in Bishvil Sheyesh Alav Tal, Harei Hu Bechiyutan, if it's because it has the Tal on it, it's Bechiyutan, but if the reason why uh, Barry is setting it up is because he doesn't have time afterwards and he has to go to work, it's not in the context of Bechiyutan, Ustam, as we finally arrive in Pratchev Samad Aleph at 551 a.m., Ustam and Shei and the people of Anshei Tveria, said Hanan ben Kavya, they are considered, all, they're all hardworking people who get up early. And it's a kula, that none of their fruits are going to be Mechabal Tumah, because it's assumed that when they set up their insulation, that they're doing so only because they got to get to work. Okay, so we here sitting here at the early daf are like Anshei Tveria in that sense. All of our fruit would not be Mechabal Tumah. Okay, now the third ruling, what is this about using towels? Mahi, what is this talking about? The time we're going to the Brisa. About, right, drawing yourself a Shabbos Yativ. There's an element of Maris Ayin when it comes to bath towels. You can't be walking around because people are going to be you for Schita, which is a derivative of Melabain. Um, right, there's all kinds of issues with Schita. So anytime you have a cloth that's very wet, there's a tendency to actually, right, wring it out. So why are we allowing you to use the towel? And why do you have to leave it in the bathhouse on the window? So it goes like this. Leave it in the bathhouse on the window. You cannot, you cannot give it to the bathhouse attendant because they are going to be suspect. Now, Osa Davar, Rashi says it's Shita, that he's going to squeeze it out. Rari Leibowitz, the great Dafyomi master, points out that Osa Davar usually is referring to something nefarious. And he quotes, in fact, Mepharshim would disagree with Rashi and say that, no, just don't give the bath, this is a separate din. Don't give the towels to the bathhouse attendant because they were used, they were like known for doing lewd things with towels. Just keep them away from towels. Okay. And Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon finally says, that you can even carry the towel home in your hand. So it sounds like over there, they were allowed to, right, use the towels in the first place. They're allowed to use the towels in the first place. So over here, uh, right, so there's some, some degree of machlokas with regarding towels, and Chaim ben Kabya allowed the people of Tveria to use the towels. So now, uh, very interestingly, this is the part that I uh, thought Uncle Manny would enjoy, that Ari Leibowitz points out that Chazal talk about the Anche Tveria, since we have these three, right, three things of Anche Tveria, Chazal point out Three, uh, sort of like a, uh, personality analysis of Anshay Tveria, a profile. So one would be Lishvach, because the Gemara says somewhere that, that the place Tveria was called Riksa, like, because the Rekonim Shebehem, right, Afilu Rekonim Shebehem Le Mitzvah Terimon. But even those who were like the lowest of the Anshay Tveria were filled with Mitzvahs. So you could say, you could take that in a good way, right, that they're all Mali Mitzvahs. I could take it in a bad way. Some say, no, of course, it just means they're mali mitzvahs, but they don't have anything else to them. In other words, at least they do mitzvahs. But look at these guys. They're obsessed with work. That's all they ever do. And then they're going to, as we know, and I should point out that Ari Lewis points out, that the Chamei Tveria, right, was a very famous place even then. The hot springs of Tveria is the one place where we see in the Gemara we were allowed to take a hot shower, even on Shabbos. It was very essential to that location. And therefore, it was a gazer she'eno yachel says Ari Lewis. That the reason why towels were allowed was because toweling off was like part, uh, such a big part of their life. And the Chamei Tveria was a part, such a big part of why they were living there that it, had they made a gazera, nobody would have followed that gazera. So they just said, fine, use a towel and, and hang it up, but, uh, but, but, you, but they, you must be allowed to use a towel. Why am I saying this? Because again, why would somebody live in Tveria? You could say Lagnai, because they want to use the, the towels, and these people were about earthly pursuits. They're going to work, they're working all day long, and then they're going to the bathhouse, and they're basically all about earthly pleasures, and at least, however, they do the mitzvahs when they have to do the mitzvahs. But uh, you could also say Lishvach. And this is what Arvi Leibowitz had quoted in the name of his Rebbe Roshachter Shlita, which is that Lishvach, the Anshei Tveria, they work for a living, and they're productive, and they also, they know how to live. Like, they go to the, they go to the high bathhouse, and they know how to live, but at the same time, the Gemara says that they do many mitzvahs, they learn a lot of Torah, and in fact, not only that, but we saw, and of course it's true in different periods of time, so you can't say this was always the case, and perhaps in time of the Gemara they had fewer Chachamim, but we see all over Shaz that they were tremendous Chachamim 
in Tveria. So you can't say that, uh, that that it was all people of earthly pursuits. And not only that, but the Sanhedrin's last stop before Golos was Tveria. And there's a source that says that that'll be the first stop when the Sanhedrin comes back. They'll first reestablish in Tveria on the way back to Yerushalayim. May it be restored speedily in our day. Okay, so so we, we go with the second shot. The Deontay Tveria was amazing. Because uh, despite the fact that we're getting up early, we are doing it L'shem Shamayim, and then we're going off to work as well, and then we're trying to learn as much as we can. Maybe we continue to be able to pursue, right, uh, things in Olam Hazeh, and also Dvarim, right, Talmud Torah, Shemakayim, Le'olam Haba. Okay. Six lines down on Pei Chesam So now we're going to talk back to the balcony. Let's get, let's get our heads straight and back into drawing water from the balcony. Shama Rabba Baravuna, Lo Shanu El Lamlos, Avalishboch Aser. Okay, this is going to be our next Mishnah, but we are teasing it now. We're saying that coming attractions, that pouring sewage out through a hole is going to be totally prohibited, right? Obviously, all the dispensations for drawing water in is because you need the water for Shabbos. You really can't do without it. But how, what about waste management? Well, what would be the problem with waste management? Well, if you're throwing it through the hole in the balcony, and, and remember, during the, during the week, this is, this is like a very common waste management uh, procedure, right? People didn't have that outdoor plumbing that carried into these like communal sewages everywhere. There was a lot of throwing stuff out of the balcony. So in that case, it was carried beyond, right? What's going to happen is if you're just going to throw it through, let's say the same hole that you drew it out of into the canal, then it's going to eventually go out into the great sea. And whereas you are standing in Rosh Hashanah, that water is being what? It's being thrown out from Rosh Hashanah into Carmelis. And certainly that should not be mutter, right? It, it wasn't really mutter to draw it in in the first place. It was just a kula that we allowed you to draw it in because you need the water. But do you really need to throw out the waste? Throw it out after Shabbos. That would be a zeradar banan of taking something out of Rosh Hashanah into Carmelis. So that was Rabbi Bar blanket statement. Now to that, Matthew Lover Shizvi, there he is again, second time. Shizvi challenged and said, Well, wait a minute. We know that everybody's allowed to pour their waste into a, the Chatzar's cesspool. And we also know that there were many times where the cesspools were not uh, deep enough and pouring it into the cesspool, as gross as this is going to sound, would actually overflow it. And when it would overflow, it would simply just like run off, right, into, this used to happen in RBS sometimes, the, uh, the, the sewage would, would bubble up during big rains and would just kind of like run off into the Rishas Arabin. So, Nobody ever made a gazera that, oh, when you pour this waste into the cesspool, you're not, you're not allowed to do it once the cesspool is, is filled because you're going to carry it off to Rosh Hashanah. And so it sounds like we're not so sensitive to where this waste is going to go. So my answer is, no, what are we talking about? Honey, timey, wait a minute. The waters of the cesspool generally become absorbed in the ground. And then sometimes it's going to flow out. Sometimes it's not going to flow out. But it's not as if it's so direct that when you're throwing it into the cesspool, it's as if you're throwing it into Rosh Hashanah. It's just you're throwing it into the cesspool. Some, maybe it'll be absorbed. Maybe it won't. And even if water flows out, maybe it's the water that you put in, maybe it isn't. Like, it, it often can be absorbed. But honey, love timey. But here, timey just means stop, right? And here, by the balcony, it never even stops for a minute. It's, which makes it what? It makes it more direct. It's like throwing it straight out into the Rishos of Robin. So that's a big difference. So that's why by the cesspool, we weren't so mockpit, but by the, but by throwing it off the balcony, we certainly were not going to allow you to do. Okay. So that was one version of that discussion with Rabbi Barhuna and Roshizvi. They had another version. That uh, halakhically sounded a lot different as follows. Ikeda Amri, I'll just say that this was a conversation. Don't say that only drawing water from the balcony is allowed. Lishbach Asr, but pouring out the sewage is prohibited. The exact opposite. There's a version of this conversation where it was, in fact, Rabbi Ravuna who said that throwing out the water off your balcony um, with impunity is completely mutter. Just like drawing out is mutter, so too throwing out is mutter. Why would it be mutter? So it's because it's low ikhbasle, right? In other words, you're not trying to just, you don't care where, where, you don't care where it's going. Let's see, let's analyze it a little bit more. Amar Shizvi. To that, instead of Matkifla Rav Shizvi, right, Rav Shizvi is consistent with himself in this version. Instead of Rav Shizvi saying, what do you mean you can't throw it out? Of course you can throw it out. Here, he's going to support Rafun as follows. Amar Shizvi, Pshita, Hainu Uka. That's obvious because it's the same thing as a cesspool. Just like in a cesspool, 
it's it's a situation. That's what Rashi says. Lo ichbasle uses the word lo ichbasle that we we're, we're used to the idea of even if you have a psikresha, right? Obviously, it's a psikresha. If you're throwing water off your balcony into the canal, it's probably for sure going to go and flow off into some rishus Or At the very least, you're throwing it back into a carmelis. So it's clear that you're going to do the hotza. However, lo ichbasle, you don't really care. If the water leaves, right, because if the water were to stay, let's say, and you threw it down your fish tank apparatus, and it just literally stayed there, exactly where you threw it. So down below the mechisos of the fish tank, you're not actually uh, over anything. It's still considered, I mean, there are that Rishus HaYachid over there. So you don't care whether it runs off or not into the Carmelis. That's incidental. That's Epsik Reisha, right? The Lo Nichale, Lo Ichpasle, you don't care whether it actually moves. So therefore, that's the same as the cesspool. Both in the cesspool and when you throw it down the chute, you're not actually doing an Avera. You're putting it down in a place where you're allowed to. And then sometimes it can run off into a Carmelis or Shisarabim, but that's not what you want. That just happens on its own. And therefore, it's Pashat that the two are the same, says Rashizbi, and it's Pashat that they're both Mutter. So the Gemara answers, Ma'od Tema. You might have thought, so it's so obvious to Shizvi that the Gemara doesn't understand why throwing it down off your balcony would even be a shaila. Why it would even be different than a cesspool. The Gemara answers, You might have thought, well, it is different because the water in the cesspool usually don't run off. They usually do absorb and therefore it should have a more mekel halacha as opposed to the waters below in the canal, below the balcony usually do stream out. You, so you would have thought that the water in the balcony would be more machmer, kamash malan, therefore Rabbi Barfuna is, the reason he's even teaching you this is to tell you that no, that even though you think they're distinct, they are in fact similar, and therefore you are allowed to pour the water down through the balcony and into the canal. We will analyze this more in the following Mishnah. But first, let's do the two dots, the chenshtei gezustras, 13 lines down. Let's get back to Barry and Andrew. We've been leaving alone for way too long. We miss you. Welcome back, boys. Amar Vuna, Amar Rav. Same, same, uh, uh, right, same, um, Rav Huna. Amarav, just like he just said over there by the the uh, waste. Okay, so this is what we had said before. That the only time that Barry and Andrews, right, Mirpeset, um, affect each other is when they're, in fact, if you were to draw a vertical line, are close to each other horizontally, right? They're approximated to each other horizontally. Aval bemufleges. We already used that word Rashi has said, that when they are separated on the horizontal, right, on the x-axis, when they have at least four tzvachim between them, aval bemufleges, then, again, this is a scenario where Andrew on top at the apex made his fish tank apparatus and Barry below did not. So in that scenario, if they were in fact considered two separate Rishuyos, then certainly the Lacha is very simple. Barry can't use his and Andrew can use his. Whoever made the fish tank can in fact draw the water. Okay. And now that was Ravuna quoting Rav, and we had already said this before, but Rav and Rav is consistent with what Ishita is. That Rav said that, again, the only, the only thing between Andrew and Barry, they are in fact what? They're open to each other completely. No balconies, no mechitzas whatsoever as far as on the balcony is concerned. But in between them, there is in fact airspace. So that was the shita of Rav. That if, if, if you are separated, but separated by airspace, the airspace is not going to serve to join you guys. Right? That's only when you're contiguous completely. So then you're one rishus. So then there's no way around it. You wouldn't even be able to make two air of it. You'd have to only make one air of it. But when you're separated by air, this is consistent with the shita of Rav, that uh, the, your rishuyos are not going to right, traverse that airspace. And therefore you can each make your own Mechitzos, even though you're open to each other. Okay, so 17 lines down, the Gemara is going to introduce a discussion of this. Amar Rabba Amar Rabbiya, Rabbi Yosef Amar Rabbi Yosia. Yesh Gazel B'Shabbos. Okay, this is going to be a little bit of a cryptic, cryptic statement because we're going to have two contradictory statements. Rashi over here, um, in like four lines up in the skinny lines, talks you through the entire lumdus. But basically what he's saying like this. Theoretically, one can, have, can, can take someone else's property on Shabbos. So for example, let's say Right, Andrew had a property that he doesn't visit a lot because it's kind of ruined. It got, 
it, it got mangled and turned into a churva in some way. Okay. But it adjoins. It's literally right up against Barry's property, which is a regular, fully intact Rishos HaYachid. Okay. So what does Barry do? He knows that Andrew's never there. And he has a lot of tchotchkes in his house, and he has more, he needs storage space. Okay. So he's allowed to use that churva. He kind of uses it as outdoor storage space during the week. Has he asked Andrew for his consent? No, he never gets around to it. They, they see each other from time to time, but it hasn't come up. He kind of assumes that it's okay. Now, that's kind of gezo, right? Because that's, that's Andrew's domain. But somehow, Barry is using it as his own domain because he's using it uh, for storage. So there's an unbelievable halacha that yesh gezo b'shabbos means that you kind of are allowed to, right, use that space on Shabbos. You can carry there, apparently, even without the Arab because that becomes kind of part of Barry's, part of Barry's chatzar. Right, so Barry has kind of um, extended his chutzner onto Andrew's little ruin over there that he has right outside his chutzner. So that's the first statement. But the second half of the statement is v'churva machazir lebalim. But what the ruin, the churva, restore, restores the possession back to Andrew on Shabbos, which is to say that even though Barry regularly uses Andrew's chutzner, right churva, the halachas of Erev require Barry to return that property to Andrew because by virtue of the fact that Andrew owns that area. Right, and by virtue of the fact that he that Barry actually has no rishus to use it, they have to join in an eruv if Barry wants to carry there. So wait a minute. The whole point is that these two statements contradict each other. Yes, gezel b'shabes means that Barry apparently can use it; and he doesn't have to make an eruv. V'churva machzil abalim means that the fact that it's used actually, and you need to have an eruv, brings the rishus back to Andrew, and Barry can't carry. So which is it? Can Barry carry in Andrew's churva, or can he not? So that's what the Gemara asks. The Gemara says, "Halbufa kasha." This is an internal contradictory statement here. You said that Barry can use Andrew's right chater or chorv, as it were, in Alma Kanya. That makes it sound like like um, Barry essentially right was Kona Andrew's property and doesn't have to make a separate eruv. The chorv of Kanya. But then the fact that you said that the chorva brings the right, the fact that you have to make an eruv brings it back to Andrew is mashma that Barry isn't Kona and therefore would need to make an eruv. So which is it? It's an internally contradictory statement. So my answer is no. Let's sort it out for you. This is what it means to say Yesh din gezel b'shabes. Yes. The idea, right, that you can be, right, gozel on Shabbos is, in fact, a, a, an idea, and which is to say that Barry could perform theft on Shabbos. How would Barry perform the theft? Ketzad, the churva machzil Because of the fact, so, so this is kind of how we might have read it the first time, if, we were, if somebody were to show you the statement and say, well, what do you think this means? What it really means, says the Gemara, is that by virtue of the fact that it's Andrew's chatzer, it means that and the, that when it comes when it's going to be Shabbos, so it's almost like this: Shabbos returns the chutzner back to Andrew. In other words, it's Andrew's chorva, right? So all week long, Barry is going to use it with impunity, and he's going to keep his his chazarai there. Okay, he's going to keep it in Andrew's chorva because it's going to give him extra storage place. Come Shabbos, he can't do that anymore, and he can't carry there because the chorva, the fact that it's Andrew's, requires an eruv, and that almost restores Andrew's ownership of the chorva. Because it's his ownership, and so all week long, no, like, none, nobody's none the wiser. Like, Barry could do it, and he's being gozo from him, and he's not being over any Avera. Come Shabbos, Barry's going to be over Hotzah, because it's not his. So that's how the statement reads. It just basically means that Yesh, that, that yesh Gezel B'Shabbos, that during the week, you're not going to necessarily be, right, oh, so it's really like, it's, 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 it's kind of counterintuitive. The Gezel is really there all week long. You're not allowed to use Andrew's area. But on Shabbos, it becomes more significant because not only is there Gezel, but there's also the Isser of Hatzah by virtue of the fact that the ownership of Andrew returns the Chatzar to him and Barry would have to make an Eruv in order to be able to use it. Whew. So it, it, you can see why they didn't read that into the statement initially because it's not really about the Gezel, right? It's the Isser Hatzah. But it forces Barry to be, so to speak, Meshiv Gezela, to return the, just like when somebody, Khalilah, does Gezel, they have a Chiv of Hashabbos Gezela, 
That's what Rashi explains. So too, right, when, when, when Barry um, uses Andrew's ruin during the week, on Shabbos, it keeps him honest, and he has to do a form of Hashabbos Gezela, which is to say, right, a concession to Andrew that this was really his chatzor all along, and the halachas of Erev is what's keeping Barry honest, because in fact he needs to set up an Erev and get Andrew's consent were he to have to use, or want to use, Andrew's chorva to, uh, for his own storage. So Barry may have wanted to not confront Andrew about it, may be awkward for him with all the history between them as we've discussed, but the Hilchas Erev, in fact, forces the issue and forces Barry to have to approach Andrew, and I think that that's a good thing, Barry, because really all conflict resolution comes from uh, with actually confronting and talking it out. So I recommend you guys do that, and Andrew, I recommend that you in turn are magnanimous as you always are to Barry, and let him use your ruin. You're not even doing anything with it anyways. So now we're eight lines up from the wide lines. I'm a rabbi. Um, we challenge this discussion from the ruling in our mission. Yeah, why do we bring this all together? Well, Remember that Andrew Barry also have property in, in Venice with balconies. We Amit Yesh Din Gezel B'Shabbos. And if you're going to say that Yesh Din Gezel B'Shabbos, as we just discussed, Amai Asuros, why would Andrew in the upper balcony be prohibited from using his own balcony? In other words, right, the Gazla needs the Hashav right? In this case, Barry needs to, right, needs to return the Rishos. That means that Andrew relinquishes to Barry, and Barry should be able, uh, to, right, so in other words, that means that rather... The Gazlan needs to do the Hashavah Gazela. That means that Barry below has to return Andrew's property to him. So by virtue of the fact that he has to return his, his property to him, that means that Andrew on top with his fish tank apparatus should be able to use it. No, that case must be when they're making the Mechitza together. In other words, when Andrew erected that fish tank apparatus in his upper Mechitza, Barry actually chipped in, and that was a joint effort. They went to Home Depot together, and they built it together, and the whole idea from the beginning, they knew that there was less than Fort Falcon between them on the x-axis, and therefore, the whole idea from the beginning was for Barry, to, who's, a good, who's a good pitcher, to throw his, right, his, his glee, as it were, through the fish tank apparatus on Andrew. And they didn't have to make more than one, because it was a shutfus milchatchila. That was always the case. And that is why, they're in fact, uh, that is why Barry affects Andrew's Andrew's um, usage of it. So Gemara therefore asks, So if that's the case, why was the case in the Mishnah uh, a case where Barry himself didn't make one. Even if Barry had made his own fish tank, the fact that Barry joined in the fish tank construction with Andrew makes them shut off him there anyway, such that, right, if anything were to be wrong with Barry's chatzar, it would affect Andrew by virtue of their shutvas. So the Gemara answers, yes, that may, maybe perhaps was the initial intention. But Kevan also the Tachtona, since they made partitions for the lower, one, the moment Barry made the partitions for his own balcony, Goloi Gali Daita, the Anabadachlonichale, he had he revealed his, his intention, right, that that was his expression, that was his declaration of independence, as it were, right, that initially the first project was to build Andrew's fish tank above. But then once we saw Barry didn't want to have to throw it over Andrew's balcony anymore, he wanted to do his own thing. So then once he built his own, that was his declaration that he's now no longer in the shutfus with Andrew, even though it wasn't explicit. And therefore that becomes his own halacha. And that's why the mission is talking specifically in a case where he had not yet done so. And therefore he has no such apparatus. We are on the mission on Bechesim here. Why are we so behind? Because don't worry, tomorrow we're, our intention is to finish the parak and go beyond. But we knew we weren't going to finish the parak today anyway because parak is on pay tests. Anyway, let's see this Mishnah. This, we had already alluded to this. We teased it. Water disposal. I mean, waste disposal, right? Not just collection, but disposal. So chatzashib, chusam arba amos, chatzar that's less than dal by dal in the area. You can't pour out waste water into it on Shabbos. If you have a cesspool, then you can. We'll see why. Uh, that's a description of the uka. So the cesspool is called an uka, and you have to have an uka machzeket sasayim in umelmata, right? It has to have two saw of water. Two saw is estimated as the normal amount, average amount of wastewater that an average human being disposes of on Shabbos, and therefore that becomes the criteria for the dimension of said cesspool. Beimi bechutz, maybe bifnim. You can either have the, the, this as an indoor or an outdoor cesspool. Now, obviously, when it's outdoor, it has to be immediately up against the rishus, right? You can't go out to the rishus of Rabin with it, we'll see. 
Ela shemi bachutz. Sarah, click more. An interesting idea. In the Mishnah, Rashi is going to explain that if it's outside, it has to be covered. Why does that thing be covered? Simply because you know leaves and stuff. You know how those things can collect in your gutters. So similarly, in the cesspool, if it becomes filled up with debris, obviously it ruins the entire point of the cesspool because then it's very shallow. And then if you're going to throw in the usual amount, it's just going to overflow. So it needs to have a cover for that reason. Okay. And for that reason, maybe if name ain't click more. If it's an indoor cesspool, then you do not have to cover it simply because it's not going to be filling in with debris by virtue of it being indoors. Now. Right, if you have a drainage pipe running from the chater through the Fashusa Rabim and it's covered, right, Kamor means covered, for the Arba Amos, right, and the Fashusa Rabim, that you can pour the wastewater into. Chachamim don't like it. They say even if it runs along the roof or the chater that's a hundred Amos long, right, you can't pour directly into the opening over there. You can pour it onto the roof, and then and the, and the water can go down into the conduit. What is the reason for this? So you look at the, the Gemara is going to explain the reason. I'll say it a little bit outside. The reason is there's two aspects here. Number one, there's just physically, is this wastewater going to be absorbed, right? Is it going to overflow or is it going to be staying in the cesspool? That's one issue. But the Chazal are worried, Chachamim here, are worried about a different issue, an additional issue, that if you throw it out right by the Shusarabim, it has a Maris Ayan element to it. It looks like you're throwing it out into Shusarabim, that's not a good look. And therefore, you have, that's why it's saying you have to pour it out on the roof. You can let it run off. That's not the issue. We allow it because we assume some of it will be absorbed. But it cannot have the appearance of throwing it out directly into Shusarabim. That's what's going on. Now, with respect to this Dalad Amos, that just means for the purposes of, right, we had said that it can't be less than Dalad Amos by Dalad Amos in order to create the cesspool. So if you have multiple kinds of Rishuyos, they can actually join together. So you'll have your Chatzar together with your balcony. As long as the total, right, uh, square area is going to be Dalad by Dalad, that's going to be okay. V'chein, shtei diotos, zu upper stories opposite each other. Okay, and then a chutzar of less than dollar amos below. So it's an interesting thing. They do not have to be right on the same point in the y-axis. They don't have to be exactly parallel on the same uh, ground. They could be a little off, and, and that's okay. Now, mikdasan asu uka. If some of the residents right uh, made a cesspool, mikdasan law asu and some of them did not. So clearly, right, again, we're not going to point fingers, but between Barry and Andrew, one of them was conscientious and had made a, a dug out a cesspool, and the other one figured, yeah, I'll use his cesspool, I'm not going to go through this. We're going to explain in the Gemara how that works, but basically, whoever was conscientious, he gets to have the benefit of the cesspool, and the other one does not. We have a few more minutes, the Gemara says, we've got to turn the page, the Gemara says, my time, what's the reason that you're allowed to pour sewage into four Amos, even without a cesspool? So I'm around, they them us these topics, I sign mine, that's what he said. That is the allotment of how much a person typically uses the uh, for wastewater daily, and by almost other notes But if the area is four almost or more, right? So then it's okay because in those days they used to sprinkle water on larger areas of land. So nobody would bother to sprinkle water on such a small, small little like planter. Nobody would would pour would sprinkle cesspool water on there. But to sprinkle wastewater on larger pieces of uh, of earth, that was in fact. Um, very, very common, such that if the piece of earth was wider, then you were allowed, you didn't need a cesspool, because that was commonly still your spritz of water there. Whereas if it was very small, you would need a cesspool in order to allow it, as we turn to the base. But merely if it's less than dollar dollar, then of course you're going to pour out the water, as we just explained. Therefore, in that case, if at that point it has a cesspool, it's allowed, and if not, it is prohibited. Rabzeira explains a little differently. I'm a Rabzeira, Arba Amos Taime. Oh, so now we're seeing the two different reasons, right? You have the Machlokas, Rabbah, and Rav Zera. Rabba says, right, that it's because you're going to sprinkle it onto the earth. Rav Zera says, no, that Arba Amos is a shear of what's absorbed. So if it's Arba Amos or more, it's enough to absorb the two saw, which is the typical amount of wastewater. Pachos ma Arba Amos, low time it, but less than Arba Amos, it's just too much. It's going to be oversaturated and start running off. So my Bainayu, so the Gemara asks, what's the difference between saying that the reason is because you're going to sprinkle it on the ground, as Rabba says, or that it's the, the amount that it can hold, like Rav Zera says. So right? Let's we have a long and narrow chater. So long and narrow chater, you're not going to sprinkle it. Uh, you're not going to sprinkle it. Which is to say, long and narrow, basically what happens is, the Rebizera is simply talking about absorption. So absorption has everything to do with, with total square area. 
So he doesn't care what the configuration is. As long as you have the 16 square amos, it's going to be the, the right amount of square area to absorb the wastewater. But whereas Rabbah cares about the specific square configuration of Dalad al Dalad because nobody has a long, thin gina that he sprinkles with water. It has to do with the dimensions of that water being Dalad al Dalad. We have one more minute. So let's see, we learn in the Mishnah, we're going to try to prove Rabzeira, and we're going to try to prove Rabba from our Mishnah. Because our Mishnah actually kind of supports each. Right, the fact that we say that the two, uh, the two, let's say you have a portico on top, and you have a, a chutzer on the bottom, the fact that they combine, does not make sense for Rabzeira, because they add together the total volume, but they're not actually contiguous as Rabba would want. El Rabba Kasha, that's one way. And Tirgamah, the Mishnah, according to Rabba, right, because he was very nice, and we'll finish with this act of chesed, and I'm going to do act of chesed, I'm going to finish so that we could dive it on time. The act of chesed of Rezera was that according to, he, he was able, he gave a shot, even according to Rabbah, that maybe he's talking about a case where the Achsadra is in fact contiguous with the Chatser. We'll pick up here tomorrow.